All right, folks, welcome to the Coastal Advocacy Adventures podcast, coming at you from North Houston. We are up here uh, near the airport, actually, and have the good good fortune of being here at the law enforcement office, and we're here with Lieutenant Kevin Glass. Yeah, hello. Good How to have you, you, Shane. Thanks thanks for letting us come up here. Oh, you bet. You bet. I'm a uh, big fan of you guys. Uh, I think we met back in September. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, and uh, we got to got to visit and know each other a little bit, but uh, I'm super excited about what y'all do. You know, CCA, just big fans. We we love what y'all do and and love working with you. Yeah, we were we were in El Campo for one of those supposed to be a epic epic dove hunt and didn't didn't quite turn out that way. Well, the dove hunt was epic. The dove <laughs> shooting, ah, not so much. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you know, the dang things is a problem with doves. They got wings and they can go where they want to go, and uh, you know. For whatever reasons be, I mean, we just didn't have the numbers. But I, I, that's, that was my first time to hunt in that spot, that area. I've hunted open a day in Ocampo with some friends at the place that they have on the other side of the highway um, almost every year for the past eight or nine years. And uh, I think only one time has it been just ridiculously good. But I'd heard that that field we were in historically has been great. But for whatever reason, the white wings weren't showing up. Oh, yeah. oh, so. it's it's a great time though you know it's it's a lot of times no, the camaraderie the i think oh, that's yeah. what's great about wing shooting in general is like it's like a fellowship sure it's very similar to fishing in a lot of respects is, absolutely you know. so, absolutely it's a social event yeah that was <laughs> so yeah it was great to meet you then and uh made the connection and um yeah we reached out to you guys i thought it would be really interesting for people to hear um from uh you know, your perspective as a law enforcement officer, game warden, um, some of the things that you see on and off the water. Uh, we'll talk about maybe your career a little bit. And uh, you got some pictures thrown out here on the desk so we can talk about some of these interesting <laughs> things that you've seen um, in, in, in your field. Well, let's start. Uh, when um, when did your – how did your career begin? You know, my career – I maybe even back up just a little bit further than that i just like a lot of game wardens just raised up with a passion and love for for hunting for fishing um lucky enough to be with family that that liked to hunt and fish would take me and uh so just uh just a passion for the outdoors in general you know uh, um got me started that direction and and i got to meet a old game warden who's now obviously retired uh up in grimes county um and started talking to him about, you know, what it is that game wardens do, uh, which I kind of knew what game wardens did. Being from uh, northern Grimes County, we've, we've probably ran for one, one or two. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, got, I got to see. How old were you when you, when you met with him? And- you know, I was uh, probably 16, okay. 17. And, um, and that uh, kind of put the seed in the back of my mind. Uh, but I'd always heard, like a lot of people, ah, you can't be a game warden. Competition's too stiff. You know, you got to be on that list. Eh, there's no list, you know. But uh, but that that kind of put the seed in there. And, um, you know, like I could say, the passion for hunting and fishing. I wanted to be anywhere but in a schoolhouse. And and um, and um, through visiting with Robert and uh, Robert Liss and through, uh, you know, talking about becoming a game warden, uh, he knew even back then in the 80s, that college was coming and so uh 
I remember very well, I was sitting on a night sit with him, and he goes, well, uh, you're going to apply for this next academy? And I said, yes, sir. I was getting to be about 21, and he goes, um, uh, he goes, well, which is our minimum age, he goes, you know you're going to need, uh, going to have to have it four-year degree. And I went, <sighs> <laughs> you know. So I, I've, uh, I was one of those kids who sit uh, on the side of a pine tree with a book in their hand, uh, with bow in one hand and book in another. Yeah. Did as much studying as I could from the woods and and uh, and in a boat, but uh, that's that's where my passion started. I started with my career uh, just riding with game wardens. We had a ride along program even back then, and um, I got to ride and, and get to know uh, a lot of game wardens. Uh, uh, did a uh, got the opportunity to visit with uh, at that time our captain was uh, Billy Walker in uh, in College Station and. Uh, went to him about a internship program and as far as i know we'd, we'd never done one and he couldn't find what had ever been done before and and uh, so i did an internship with law enforcement and i guess that'd been 88 was that a paid deal or no was just, no no yeah. no not paid no my gas driving over six counties you know uh trying to arrange schedules and and uh work with with guys uh, it was a, it was a struggle but um uh, Again, just more uh, install the, the the desire to be a game warden, and uh, and I tell you, I've been blessed. It's been a great career. Uh, I guess, man, I've been uh, I got hired on in '92, went through the academy, our game warden academy. We talk about that uh, from '92 to '93, six months mm-hmm. uh, long. I went to October to I guess March, and uh, graduated in '93. Um, my first duty station was in Galveston County, actually. Um, then I uh, was there for a couple of years. In 94, I transferred up to San Jacinto County, Lake Livingston area. Was that a, uh, talk about that, um, process real quick. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I've, when you, when you first get stationed somewhere, do you have a priority list like, or a preference list, I should say, or do you just... They're going to send you where the need is. They're going to the send time. you where the need is, right? No, when you hire on, um, you sign a waiver or a, a, an agreement to go wherever they need you, and it's simply where the spots are, where they're empty, you know, where there's a vacant spot. Um, and Texas is is it's a big spot, it's a big place, and uh, uh, so while you're the cadets are going through the academy, there's there's vacancies along different duty positions and. And they'll open it up for transfers for the guys in the field, and it simply goes by seniority. Okay. You know? uh, uh, so a warden who's in the field who wants to transfer, get closer to home, different, maybe go look at some different country for a few years, can obviously transfer then. Uh, but only then do we normally allow transfers is when there's academy coming and we know we can fill those spots. Okay. I see. So uh, – but while you're a cadet, you're going through there. Towards the end of it, they'll they'll uh, give you a wish list. You mm-hmm. know, well, where would you like to go? They give you three spots. And I remember very well. I filled out my first three spots. And and at that time, back in the eighties uh, or nineties, early nineties, we were filling in a lot of spots on the coast. Uh, nowadays, we we're trying to fill border stuff, but we'll yeah. talk about that later. But but my first duty spots choices was Kingsville. Uh, I think uh, I had a, a, a Corpus Christi in Galveston, maybe, uh, and 
I remember I wrote it all out, and uh, our supervisor comes in. He gets the list, and he's reading them off. Oh, okay, Glass, I see you want to go to Cor- uh, to Kingsville. I'm thinking work the King Ranch, right? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we had one or two spots inland, you know, in, in the hill country. And and uh, I remember he watered them all up and threw them in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but uh hey, you got to go to Galveston so. I did I did you know at that time it was important uh family reasons why my, my wife um she wanted uh she, you know she was still trying to finish her college so we needed a, a college town yeah but uh I was blessed got to come to Galveston County and uh I learned so much I mean I was went to grade school you know here in Pasadena actually um but never spent a lot of time on the coast most of my stuff was inland bass fishing and yeah. you know um, but uh, but learned and and loved loved the coast learned so much about the you know everything that goes on with the recreational fishing the commercial fishing oh my gosh it's huge uh water safety uh, i learned that pretty much 365 days out of the year there's somebody on that water somewhere yeah no matter how bad the weather gets unless it's really really bad there's some protected water somewhere and there's some some sicko on it, you know. <laughs> but uh, no, there's it, it's it's uh, it's been a great ride. And so, uh, what is that? Twenty two? How many years? Twenty. Uh, twenty. I've been on twenty four years. Twenty four. Okay. Yeah. Um, spent twenty two years in the field. Okay. Chasing people. Um, then promoted up here to the office, uh, regional lieutenant. And I'll tell you, this job is uh, this is a support role. You know, I try to help these guys. Uh, these game wardens do their job with purchasing and training, and then I, I manage the office here and try to keep the doors open on this office. And yeah, uh, but uh, twenty-two years, uh, this job is definitely easier on the body. You know, I <laughs> hadn't fallen off in too many creeks and ran through too many fences. Uh, uh, on the hottest days of the year, I'll, I'll tell people uh, they'll ask me about being a game warden. I'll say, well, I guarantee you one thing: the hottest days of the year, you're going to be on the water, yeah. checking water safety. Yep. Yeah. coldest nights of the year you're gonna be in the woods catching night hunters uh this job uh, uh it's pretty nice in the summertime i run from air conditioner to air conditioner <laughs> uh and uh usually the heat stays on in the winter time so yeah. this is a little easier yeah. on the body but i miss the field i ain't, ain't gonna lie to you uh but uh, well it's it's gotta you know you do it for so long it's gotta be in your it stays with you it's in your blood you know that's probably what partly what drove you to be a game warden was just being out in the elements and in the environment and being in the out of doors um so yeah i can imagine you miss it sometimes oh yeah oh yeah um it's you know the uh, opening weekends of, of seasons you know uh you, you the guys they don't get to you know as a game warden you never get to hunt opening weekend i mean yeah. you're busy right um um i mean you and i met opening weekend of, of south zone for the dove season which uh, i'm blessed with this job i kind of get you know, uh, I still get out there and work, but I can still go hunt a little bit too. You know, on weekends now, but uh, but no, the guys. I mean, the opening weekends, weekends, those those guys are busy. Yeah, you know, so it's time away from their families. Um, uh, during the week, they get some time off, and a lot of our guys they love to hunt and fish. That's what got them interested. Like I said mm-hmm. a while ago, in the job is just the passion for hunting and fishing, and outdoors in general. So, um, so we get to you know our, our game wardens do get, uh, get to hunt a little bit. Uh, they get to fish a little bit, just generally not on weekends when the, the public's doing right, it. That's, right, that's when their demand is there. What's it, um, talk a little bit about the, the process. Um, 
and I know all of this stuff is online and, and, and there's information out there, but I think it's important for people to hear it from the mouth of a game warden. But the process of going through, you know, the application process and, um, and, and the academy, you know, just in, in generalities, what's that? I mean, is it, it's, I know it's competitive, or you hear that a lot that it's competitive. There's a lot of people that, that apply to be game wardens, and the amount that, get accepted depends on how many vacancies there are absolutely um so what what is that what is that like what can people realistically expect if they want to become a game warden you know what should what should their expectations yeah that's a great question thank you um no um the process is simply uh we don't always have our application process open uh generally uh about a year uh before we start an academy we'll open up the process for applications and and uh, the minimum requirements, yeah, you got to be 21. Uh, you have to have a college degree from an accredited college. And we don't necessarily care what it's in as long as it's an accredited degree. Now, I'll tell you uh, what we do as law enforcement. You know, uh, we have great men and women who do our biology end of it, our pond management, our land management, those things. What we do is chase people. So we do law enforcement. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, some, some – a minor or a degree in biology or we have those we have guys who have that land management and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh absolutely but uh, but we are and and we are the only state law enforcement off, uh, agency that requires a four-year degree so get your degree right yeah uh that's extremely important now um outside of that um you know clean criminal history obviously the competition's stiff enough that that for that young person who's thinking about becoming a game warden, who wants to go out and do something silly that will cause some blemish on their record, uh, that could hurt you. I mean, I'm talking Wait, about MIPs. Can you clarify that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. MIPs, even traffic. I mean. Really? Oh, yeah. You know, you get somebody who has a history of speeding, you know. Unsafe. Unsafe. Yeah. Um, we, we probably uh, – it's going to be tough for you. I'm not saying you won't get hired. I'm just saying you're making it more difficult for yeah. yourself. Uh, even, even as much as your credit history. I mean, we, we, uh, we'll look at that, you know. Uh, we look at we'll, – we'll talk to your landlords. I mean, you're, I mean we – Shane, you got to understand, we got maybe 3,000 people that will apply now granted not all the 3,000 people will even meet the minimum requirements but we may have 3,000 people apply and we may only be hiring 30 people 50 people 50 cadets is a big class for us uh we don't have a lot of turnover i mean outside of guys retiring well not a lot of game warrants quit well i think they're well vetted on the front end you know we try. We try really hard. So once you apply for the process and uh, you meet the minimum requirements, uh, we'll be invited to come over, and, and the first stage is, is an interview. Uh, now that's what we do first. Uh, uh, you'll sit down in front of uh, five of the game wardens, and we'll have a list of questions that's, that, uh, that everybody has read. Everybody gets the same questions, and, and you go through an interview. Um, and obviously, the more you know about our agency, you know, if you've done ride-alongs, that's that's probably a plus because you'll know more about what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you, you have a, a, an interest in the outdoors, you'll just be able to talk about some of the questions, whatever they are, uh, yeah. probably with a little more knowledge than somebody who has no experience. Not saying somebody with no experience can get hired on. They can. But uh, so uh, you'll have an interview that you'll be scored on, and then uh, we'll take uh, the top of that interview, and then they'll be given a, a physical test. 
and uh, at swimming now. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's important for a game one to know how to swim. You're gonna, yeah. You spend a lot of your career on the water. You have to be comfortable in the water. So swimming uh, requirements. There's a, you know, sit-ups, push-ups, running, uh, all those things that uh, we have to meet a minimum standard to be to qualify. Then, uh, then the next step, if you pass that, you'll uh, you'll get to move up, um, and uh, you'll get a background investigation. And this is where some game warden will will get your packet, and uh, man, we start calling people you put for references and then we start getting references that they give us and Mm -hmm. we start knocking on doors and talking to police departments and we try to do our best to make sure that the people we give you as game wardens are good people yeah but uh during that process i mean uh uh, we're trying to uh pretty much find reasons not to hire you because at this level most everybody we get are hireable but some people have a have been able to to control what they do better than others. You yeah, know, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. past, which is sometimes a reference of what they're going to do in the future. Mm-hmm. But no, we'll uh, we'll do a background investigation, and then uh, we'll compile everything together, and and uh, there'll be a board organized, and a lot of times it's the majors and other supervisors, and they'll sit down there and they'll look at all the the you know they have a scoring mechanism for the backgrounds, and and uh, we'll they'll pick the top 20 or 30 that they're going to hire and when you're so the, the, those 20 30 people then go to the academy mm-hmm. and now we have a new academy so talk about the academy process and what's so what's the academy yeah like? when, when we uh, when you get that letter in the mail um saying congratulations you've been hired uh, and uh once you start the hire date you're getting paid you're getting paid to go through the academy um, and you're, you'll be guaranteed a, a spot somewhere in Texas, be your first duty station. Mm-hmm. You'll be there for two years before you can transfer. Um, but uh, uh, the academy itself is uh, kind of paramilitary. It's very structured. Um, you'll have dorms. You live there on site. Our academy is now out in uh, kind of Star, Texas. It's Hamilton County. Mm-hmm. It's out in the middle of Middle of Texas. I'm going to say middle of nowhere. It's BFE. Middle of Texas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, it's uh, a couple hundred acres. It's a beautiful facility, state-of-the-art classrooms now. Uh, we have a crew up there that is, that is uh, a second to none. I mean, these guys. You'll get, you'll get the best of the best for training. You really will. Uh, but six months, I mean, you'll have physical training in the mornings. You, know, you go to class. You'll have physical training in the afternoons. And there'll be, you know. Trips here and there, coastal trips, inland trips. Uh, you're getting a uh, tour. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. You get you get you'll get a chance to to flavor all the parts of Texas. But uh, uh, like I say, it's it's a uh, it's a process. It's a tedious process. You'll be there six months, uh, almost seven months now, and you'll learn everything that every other law enforcement officer in the state learns for the most part i mean there's a there's a test we have to take it's a a t-col it's Uh a a certification for all peace officers Mm -hmm. and we are certified texas peace officers so we have to pass this test so we have to have training in traffic law and family code and penal code code of criminal procedure on top of the game and then list don't you then then you got to get into the parks and wildlife code the park and wildlife proclamations and wildlife identification and you know all that good stuff so uh, it's six months it's a whirlwind uh tour that's for sure 
but uh, and you'll leave there with uh, a wealth of knowledge. And uh, you know, we laugh because you'll get your first duty station, you won't know anything, <laughs> <laughs> but you'll know where to find it. Yeah, and you'll be yeah. uh, you'll be with some guys and girls who uh, yeah. who do. And uh, you hadn't gone to the school of hard knocks yet. No, yeah. no, you have not. You thought you had. Yeah, you, you really did. You know, you thought when you left there, you knew everything. And then you come to the field and you go, dang, I didn't know that. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's a great time. Um, and I'll tell you, for game wardens, um, anybody out there who is interested in becoming a game warden, um, our work hours are, are pretty flexible. We don't have work hours. <laughs> I say that, but that's not exactly true. Um, our game wardens, our field game wardens, work on a 28-day schedule. Um, and in that 28 days, um, they have to meet, uh, have 160 hours to work. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, so having said that, it's a little confusing, but to, to tell you uh, in a more simpler term, uh, they have no time. They have to go to work. They have no time when they get off of work. Uh, we leave it up to our game wardens in the field to determine when they need to go to work, where they're at. Yeah. Uh, in other words, uh, a typical day for a game warden this time of the year, uh, uh, he may get up and go to work early in the morning. That's when people are out fishing or mm-hmm. hunting, right? He may came, come in or she may come in and, and, and spend a couple hours at home, eat lunch, kick back, relax, and then get back out in the evening, the evening hunters. Yeah. You know, you split your days up a lot of times. Sometimes we'll work all night. Um, sit out on a sit all night, sit out on a bay all night you know, whatever, uh, looking for those people who are doing something they're not supposed to be doing or doing something they are supposed to be doing. But anyway, point being, we may work all night. Uh, you may get a call after you've worked all day. You're on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, you may get that call and have to saddle up and ride. And then you may be out working, you know, 24 hours straight. But on the flip side of that is you get to take your time back. Yeah. You know, so if I work my 160 hours, theoretically, the first five days of the week of the month, my 28 days period, then, you know, I, I can take the rest of the time off if I need to. We, we urge our guys not to do that. Yeah. If, if, and if there's, I assume if there's a need, if you've worked your 160 or 180, but you're needed for an emergency situation or whatever, those guys build up, what is it, comp time or comp whatever. Comp time, and absolutely. So yeah, yeah. And under spur- certain, uh, yeah, we get comp time. That's, uh, that's not really paid time. That's, time you get to take off right uh, the state's kind of kind of funny that way yeah and uh, uh but uh, uh under certain conditions with certain approvals from uh our supervisors we can get paid a premium of we get paid over time okay mostly natural disasters yeah or, yeah. or something comes up emergency yeah. stuff but we leave it up to our guys uh, the point of that is that they have an extremely flexible flexible schedule they for the most part go to work when they want to they get off when they want to uh or when they need to uh, but they are expected to be on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Is there a, any sort of, um, uh, I don't want to say maybe a standard that, that an officer should meet um, so many interactions with the public in a certain time frame? Or um, I don't want to say you have to write so many tickets because I know that's not the case, but like how, how do you measure how successful you're being as as and it's board. tough it's tough in law enforcement that's another great question uh i'd refer to it as accountability 
you know, how, how is a law enforcement officer accountable for his work day? And, and, and it, gosh, it's just so, it's so difficult because it's, it's no, first off, no two days really in our work are the same. I, they shouldn't, shouldn't really be unless you're working a specific problem. But, you know, um, it just, it just depends on what you're doing, what you got going on, what's important right now, what season's going on, what's running, what's not, uh, if there's problems, you know, let's take an example, a, a night hunter, all right, I'm getting information or maybe I suspect that I got a night hunter working in an area. I may sit there and you don't know when he's going to hunt. I mean, he he may he may hunt once a week. He may hunt once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. You may sit there from dark till daylight for two weeks straight and work, 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 and not have any productivity to show for it. You may not have a contact, a ticket. You know, we you know, and nobody may even see you because honestly, if I'm going to go work a night sit, I'm taking every back road I can get. I'm sneaking through pastures and opening up gates. I'm trying not to get seen to get to where I'm at. Yeah. And then I'm going to sit in the woods so I can't be seen. So, you know, that game warden who does that may not have a contact versus a game warden who goes down and checks a fishing pier. You know, uh, he, he'll have many, many contacts and likely quite a few violations mm-hmm. to show for his eight hours where this game warden sits in the, in the field at night, doesn't have anything. They're both needed. They're both very important jobs. Um so there, there is no really expectations as much. Uh, but now over a period of time, if that game warden's not turning in something to show for his, his work, maybe his supervisor needs to find out what he's been doing. And it may be legitimate. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, you know uh, if not, then, then we need to find out. You right, know, uh, right. Maybe he needs to help or they need help better uh, uh, planning their, their patrol hours. Right. But. I but that, it, it, it's uh, it's such a wide variety, and it is so hard to to justify or, or account um, for uh, for our guys, you know, for what we do because of the flexibility and the, the nature of our work, you know. I gotta imagine that the fall is just crazy busy for you guys. Everything pretty much opens in the fall, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, and I don't know if you, if you, if as a game warden in the field, if that's something you look forward to or just absolutely dread. I guess it depends on the person, but, um, yeah, I, I, I don't see how you have a day off in the fall. I imagine there's calls coming in all the time, all and, the time. You know, but as a game warden, I, I, I don't know. Uh, and that's another blessing with this job is is it, it it's not monotonous. It changes with the seasons. Um, Versus some agencies, and we'll get back to this, like Florida, where they have officers who do nothing but water, mm-hmm. marine safety. It's split. It's split. And yeah. they have a, and so that guy who works the water, that girl who works the water, that's what they do year-round. That would drive me nuts. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we get to change. It's the seasons, right? So fall is like opening day of, uh, of hunting season. Oh, God, we look so much forward to that. Uh, you know, that, 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 that September 1, oh, it's like Christmas. You know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, in Waller County, that was my biggest day of the entire year. September one. September one. Is it just too easy? Dove season. Or it's, no, uh, not what, easy, but oh, I mean, it was. Oh, it's horrible. I mean, the hours. I, gosh, you know, I mean, they're they're sixteen, eighteen hour days. Uh, sometimes even longer. But you don't um, have to drive too far to find you know to to interact, make interactions. Right. And, 
and I mean, we would have dove fields out there. Fields, uh, you know, guys would come in, and, and a corporation or a company, and they'll they'll sublease a field out, and you literally would have two, three, four hundred hunters in one field, and you could work all morning and not check everybody in one field. Yeah, and I'm talking about I still got a whole county to patrol. Right. Uh, that's and there was many years. Um, Walter County's a one man station. I had that by myself. Is, is it you, still you, one one man? It's still one man. It's the only county that surrounds Harris County. There's a oh one word county. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and most of the years, most of the time of the year, uh, summer and what have you, one is fine. Even though the population's probably tripled. Yeah. Um, still one warden in that county, Michael Blevins. But uh, but uh, so I started bringing in other game wardens, and we started uh, putting together a little work task force, if you would, you know, uh, a saturation patrol. And, right. And uh, and and. Uh, and trying to get as many wardens as we can uh, into different fields. But while opening September 1st, oh, my gosh, it, it was uh, – you just couldn't wait for it. It was like that little kid on Christmas morning. You just thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> couldn't sleep the night before, wouldn't even try most of the time. And it starts usually in August. We'll start looking for baited fields, you know, and it just kind of builds up to it. But, uh, but no, September 1, the fall, we're rolling. We've got dove season. you got till season. You know, uh, fishing's picking up. You know, you, you – your specs, your your redfish are running for long. Uh, flounder, flounder starting run. stage. Oh yeah. my gosh, uh, flounder! Uh, but then you got deer season on top of that. Duck season. You got teal season in September. Uh, then you got duck season opening right there with deer season, and it's just rolling. If the cool nights are coming in, the night hunting calls are happening. Trespassing, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's it's all rolling. These guys are uh, and girls are our game wardens are just uh, they're going uh, all out. Um, and then, um, they really start to get wore down about, about now, about December, you know, you're getting tired. Mama's getting mad, (laughs) you know, uh, family, you're kind of getting to, you know, not seeing as much of them as, uh, probably should. And, uh, you know, spring season rolls around and then you got the the white bass run or, you know, the fishing picks back up. Yeah. So you have, you know, your hunting season, you get into kind of the fishing season for us and, uh, then uh, about May hits, and it's water safety. It's all about water time, boat time. And and so through May to, uh, you know, Labor Day weekend, it's all about water. Uh, it's fishing and water safety, skiing. It's boating while intoxicated and investigations and boat accidents. And and then uh, about August, you don't even want to take a bath. You've been on the water so much. <laughs> and you look for that blessing of September 1st. It's yeah. like, oh, man, well, it's that's just what's, a cycle. Yeah, yeah that's what's great. cool is that, you know, like you said, it all it changes and no day's the same. And so, you it, know, you get to do something different. Every day uh, you get to do something different. It's an adventure. You know, I was that kid who always got in trouble because, you know, he's come home late. You know, I'd mm-hmm. tell mom and dad, you know, I'm going to go go hunting. Or I'm going to go hit the river and go fishing. And, you know, you'd look up and it dark's falling. And because, you know, you're fishing, hey, what's around that cove or what's around that bend of the river? You know, what's what's yeah. behind those trees, you know? And and uh, it's just an adventure. And that's that's what this career is. It's it's an adventure. I mean, for crying out loud, they give you they give you all the bullets you want, right? They give you a four-wheel drive truck. They give you a boat and tell you to go get in the woods and get on the water. Come yeah. on, Doc. Yeah. Really. I mean, it's it's great. And I, I, I've always, I was growing up, I, was at, I looked up to those guys that, that were game wardens, and I, I was like, hey, I wonder if that's something I could do. I didn't think I had, personally, the, uh, the right uh, mentality or personality. Like, I didn't think I could be 
when the time came to be hard enough mm-hmm. and enforce the rule out in the field, I think I didn't think that was me. I'd be like, oh, okay, I'll let you go this time. That I wouldn't have a lot of citations. You'd be amazed <laughs> uh, after you've seen that once or twice. You start going, "This is ridiculous," you know. <laughs> you get so mad at them, it, you know. Yeah, because uh, yeah. you you see, you, and, and you're exactly right, Shane. I mean, uh, it takes again, and and what I want you to understand and your listeners to know that that what we do is so unique from any other law enforcement. Um, when your general popo, right, gets called to a scene, a violation has occurred. When, when they make contact with the public, it's usually for a reason. 90, 95% of the time, it could be a traffic stop. It could be a domestic disturbance. It could be a theft. Something has occurred. There's a violation. And you have to handle that contact differently than you do with what we do, which is 90, 95%. It's a compliance check, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the people enjoying the outdoors, they're hunting, they're fishing, they're boating, Um we're there to do a compliance check. We make sure they have the life jackets on board. Make sure the, the, the babies or the, the kiddos who are you know under 13 have life jackets on. We make sure they have a fishing license. They, you know, we make sure that if they're hunting, you know, they, they got their hunting licenses. The deer hadn't been, you know, if there's an antler restriction, they're there. They hadn't killed too many ducks. You have to handle that contact differently. You have to be very, you know, you need to be very nice, very personable. At the same time, if you do get called to a situation, or maybe you're on that compliance check, something's happened, something you see, something you hear, something you smell isn't adding up, you have to be able to change your personality. You have to change that contact to how the moment is happening. Yeah. You know, does that make sense yeah, to yeah. you? Um, and so, but but you would be amazed. I, I, I remember going through the academy. There was a, a couple of people that w- were concerned the same way. Well, I, I'll never write a ticket. You know, I, I can't write a ticket to some somebody who's just made an honest mistake or whatever. And I said, well, that's true. You may not. Uh, and then, uh, you know, about a year into this job, they're, they're, they got no problem <laughs> with it, man. Because, you know, there's no problem. Uh, officers have some discretion. They do. You know, you, you, you take that guy who who's maybe has an inch short of fish or, you know, whatever. I mean, listen to the story, take in the circumstances, and, and maybe write a warning, maybe give a verbal warning, maybe give a ticket and go talk to the judge. Maybe not, you know. Yeah. Every officer is different. A violation of the law is a violation of the law. Uh, uh, but but as you and I know, a lot of times there's not just black and white. It's a little gray in there, yeah. you yeah. know. Um, uh, but, uh, I mean, it, obviously, I mean, I love to duck hunt, and I can tell you, if you duck hunt long enough, you're probably going to violate a law. Because who hasn't had been on sitting on that last bird, you know, and that group of teal come in, and as hard as you try to yeah. shoot that one bird, two falls out. It's right, like, oh, right. Dang, there's no intent to break the law, you know. And, and just for the listeners that yeah, actually can't, I'm in Kevin's office, and it's basically a duck blind. He's got <laughs> one wall that's just uh, – <laughs> Covered in grass, and he's got several mounts in here, so he's a nut for ducks, for uh, sure. I love to hunt and fish. I love the birds. I love <laughs> I love ducks, geese. Uh, oh, you know, uh, there's not much about hunting and fishing I don't love, but uh, I do like to sit in here and relax and look at – I can visualize. You well, know, there's a story uh, behind each one of them. Every one sure. of them. Every one of them. There's a bobcat sitting over there on a rock yeah. uh, uh, that uh, I had the pleasure of, of – uh, calling him in i was hunting out in in uh in west texas uh with a friend of mine and uh, Did you do it like a rabbit or a mouse call yes or? right absolutely absolutely uh foxes and 
bobcats and I shot that bobcat in October and the fur on it is like it come from here in, in February. It was just a, it's a beautiful animal. Oh, uh, so uh, every time I look up every day, I see my bobcat. I think I could, you know, think of hunting the mountains out in West Texas. Yeah, that's neat. That's and then uh, that snow goose, that's actually a Ross goose. Mm -hmm. That Ross goose come from a, uh, uh, a hunt we had out here on the Katy Prairie. Uh, Katy Prairie used to be just uh, absolutely inundated with Boy, it's goose. changed, hasn't it? Wow. Wow. It has. Um, and this is actually uh, a cross. That 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 goose right there is a Canadian blue goose cross. I've never seen one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and actually, those two come from the same hunt. Uh, but uh, uh, that pintail come from Port O'Connor, uh, hunting the bay down there. Uh, but uh, and I actually mounted that pintail myself, by the way. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, this yeah. is a, this. Is a, Folks, Kevin's got a cool office. That's, <laughs> that's what I wanted to get across. It's, it's nice. So anyway, let, let's jump into. Sure. Uh, Let's jump into boat into safety, boater safety. Absolutely. You kind of touched on it a little bit, and you've made you, you were was it 2013 boater yes. safety officer of the year? Correct, correct. Um, and a lot of that, a lot of what you do now is is revolved still around that. So, um, why don't you jump into that one? So, boating safety, right? Um, it's a very dangerous activity. Actually, it's lovely. It's great. It's wonderful. Uh, I encourage everybody to go do it. But understand that there's inherent dangers with boating, and and uh, you know, so it's important that uh, the people have the safety equipment, uh, the life jackets is number one. You know, in, in my 22 years in the field, I recovered and had the unfortunate uh, to recover quite a few drowning victims. And only one in my 22 years had a life jacket on. He actually had a heart attack, fell out. Uh, but uh, got to have life jackets. Uh, those kids that are under 13, it's mandatory. The state says they shall wear them. Anytime that boat's underway. So if that boat's not tied up to basically shore, mm -hmm. um, uh, we need to see those kids in life jackets. And and uh, that was one that uh, when I was working, I had, you talking about discretion a while ago, that youth didn't have a life jacket on, somebody's going to tell the judge why, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason for that. Um, and it doesn't take, you're talking about, uh, I don't know if I can write tickets, it doesn't take shame but one time to have to pull a baby out of the water and give it to its family for you to say, mm. Man, I'm I'm done yeah. with this. Yeah. There's no reason for that. Uh, but uh, but life jackets, fire extinguishers, that kind of stuff. So water safety is big. So, you know, we'll get out on the water. Uh, uh, you know, most of the time on these recreational lakes uh, in the afternoons. But we're looking for boat registrations. We're uh, we'll go up. We don't need any probable cause to stop a boat in Texas. The fact that you're there, that your boat's registered, and all that good stuff, you've give implied consent. Excuse me to. Um, for, for a, a water safety inspection and so we'll pull up and we'll visit you know you know we'll ask you to see your all your water safety gear your life and it has to be cushion. accessible i mean it can't has be. to be accessible right what good it don't do you any good to be in a locked compartment yeah and i'll go one step further i mean honestly if it's in a compartment and you need it you're not likely gonna get it i mean honestly if you're not wearing it uh it's very very difficult to get it and, and i'm as guilty as anybody else when i'm out duck hunting or whatever fishing now um uh, not wearing a a life jacket you know i'll generally ask captain where they at you know and and the, i'll tell you we're talking about life jackets those inflatable life jackets we got all of our guys wear the inflatables mm -hmm. oh man they're a little more pricey but you don't even know you so got much freedom of movement yeah oh, exactly i'll find myself driving home we still, still got it on. on yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh but no they're uh so water safety is big um you know talking about the inherent dangers of 
boating. Um, you know, you're basically in a vehicle, also on the water. Yeah. Show me the brake pedal. I ain't brake pedal. You know, uh, some of them go as fast or faster than cars. Um, you know, I, I, I've gotten in, I got into uh, boating while intoxicated investigations. It's become a passion of mine. Um, and so there's a thing in court we call board dire. You go in and you talk to the jury, you know, and, and uh, you just start talking about what ifs, you know. And, and, and so in, during board dire, we'd like to try to stress the importance of boating and, and, and not being intoxicated. And in Texas, that's, it's, it's becoming better. But, you know, we started uh, really enforcing boating while intoxicated in about the early 90s, mid-90s. Uh, but beer, boat, and bait kind of all went together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's still not illegal to have an open container uh, and be drinking. The, the driver can be drinking, unlike a car. Uh, but uh, you just can't become intoxicated. So, so it's very difficult. But when I'm in front of the jury... And I'm telling them about boating and, and how important it is and how dangerous it is. I'll say, you know, it's nuts. If you put, you would never think twice about putting an intoxicated individual behind the wheel of a car and turning them to go down the road, turning them loose. But if you think about it, a guy driving a car, right, he has a brake pedal. He does. He has traffic lights. He has intersections, controlled intersections to help him. Mm-hmm. He's got designated lanes to stay in. You know, he doesn't have to worry about vehicles coming from all around him, different angles, and um, he doesn't have to worry about logs in the road. Yeah. You know, he's got headlights to help him see at night. Uh, but you take that same individual, you probably see where I'm going, you put him in a boat, there's no brake pedal, there's no headlights, the roadways aren't lit, the water, the surface is moving. Yeah. <laughs> You see, uh, there's no controlled intersections. There's swimmers. Um, there's boats out there with very little lights on. You know, one of the first things to be affected by intoxication is vision and hearing. Uh, well, you, you, I'm sure you probably have a boat or have had a boat and been on the water. I had a night. boat before kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's very difficult at night, point being, uh, to see other boats. They have one little red light, one little green light, one little white light. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, it can be tough to see, especially if you put them on a shoreline and the shoreline's lit up, right? I mean, it's tough. I have trouble judging distances on oh. water. That's what's Distance perception is another yeah. thing that's impaired. So when you stick a person behind the wheel of a boat who is intoxicated, man, the uh, odds of them having a, an accident go way up. And guess what? When you get an accident in a boat, you're not going to roll around in a ditch till the ambulance comes to pick you up. Mm-mm. If you don't have that life jacket on, you get in a wreck, you're thrown from your boat, and the odds of you making it are pretty low. And uh, so, no, that's something that, uh, you know, a lot of us uh, game wardens are pretty passionate about is making sure that, that people do it and they do it safely, you know, so that Shane and his kids can go out on a boat and not have to worry about somebody who's intoxicated or impaired running over them. Yeah. So. Well, um, I can't. I can't imagine. I don't. I don't spend much time on lakes, um, but I've seen. I've seen you know driving by the amount of folks on lakes, and you know in the summertime. And so yeah, if you got a bunch of yahoos running around drunk driving boats, it's just a recipe for disaster. It and, is uh, absolutely a recipe. You talk about people on boats made me think. I was sitting here smiling. Uh, Clear Lake, little old Clear Lake. 
third largest yachting community in the country. Right there. Uh, it's insane at the number of boats that's there. And you should see it on a holiday weekend. It's a parade of boats going in and out of the channel. You know? Yeah. Just a bottleneck. Uh, you can go to any of these lakes. Lake Conroe. Lake Conroe was uh, the deadliest lake in the state of Texas several years uh, in a row. Uh, I, I was blessed enough to get to work with some guys, and we just started just working it and working it and working it back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And through through uh, enough contacts and education, um, people now learn to expect to be checked by game wardens on Lake Conroe. Uh, but it takes a lot, a lot of man hours to educate people. Yeah. But I'll tell you, that lake has, uh, is, is much safer now than it used to be. Um, and, uh, and it's just through hours and hours of uh, endless work and the heat of the day, late in the night by these people, uh, the game wardens, to get out there and make a, a body of water safer. It'll never be totally safe. And sometimes you have boat accidents and, you know, they're just, just that. They're just mm-hmm. an accident. I mean, you just said it. It's hard enough to see at night. Distance perception is hard. And sometimes, you know, we'll have a bad boat wreck and, you know, it just is what it is. Yeah. Uh, you uh, hit a structure that you didn't, yeah. Channel marker. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I, I bet you you don't have to go far to find somebody that dang near had a channel marker in the diversion area or intercoastal waterway or out in the bay yeah. at night running across there. Yeah. Uh, and, and almost run over a channel marker or a tree or a stomp. I mean, it's just uh, it's a dangerous activity. It's it, but it's 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 a fun activity, and it can be a very positive thing. We just ask that people be safe, and and uh, we'll uh, do do our part to try to ensure that our public who who are nice enough to register their boats yeah. and uh, have a have a safe and and positive experience. Um, how many? There's numerous dozens and drownings and texas every year do you know what is the average number? you know, you know i don't know offhand? i can get that number for you and get back with you i, I saw it recently I, that's why i was asking so i can't remember but it's it's an alarming number and i know that it's getting better but um there's still that there's i think people need to take this seriously and not just be cavalier about drinking and boating yeah on, on and, the water. and wear your I mean, life jackets i mean you know we just had a fisherman you know uh what this last week yeah. uh, drowned but uh kayaker but uh no there's there's uh there's really in, in today's world not a reason why not to wear a life jacket and honestly a life jacket would save so many lives even in these big big boat accidents i mean you're going to have some some folks that just no matter what they were doing weren't going to make it but you have uh seems like regularly you'll have people tossed from a boat who are stunned, or they, you know, if they just had a life jacket on, they'd be here today. Yeah, that simple. So so easy, but it, we, for whatever reason, I don't know. I don't it's got you know, maybe it's just kind of like you know when 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 seatbelt laws were first enforced, there was there's you know numerous years of resistance and and now it's it's become commonplace, and I think that's what Parks and Wildlife has been trying to do for the past uh, couple of decades is just instill and people the mentality that you're on the water you got a life jacket you know those two things go hand in hand absolutely so. absolutely um what else? oh you mentioned uh i think you wanted to get into border safety border yes let's yes, talk yes. about let's talk about border patrol and um you know all that that's going on so uh, uh you know we do we keep a a group of of wardens uh, uh now uh, they, they, they're going down to the border weekly 
you know, um, and we have a, a sector down there, an area that, that uh, we're assigned to, and, and our guys patrol, you know, they're on the water. I mean, think about it. Uh, if there's an arrow, if, if the border is, if there's a tip of a spear, um, you know, that tip is going to be the Rio Grande River. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're the, you know, we're, we are the agency we're, that have the state agency with the boats for the most part. Uh, and so uh, our guys, uh, they, they do, they patrol the water. Border Patrol is obviously down there working. But uh, but we're just there to help them, assist them in any way we can. We're uh, actively looking for, you know, uh, not only people crossing the river, but, uh, um, you know, illegal activities, narcotics, whatever, crossing the river. But uh, And illegal fishing. I mean, that's a big deal right oh now. Oh, my gosh, illegal fishing. Gill netting yes. down there. Gill netting, um the long liners out in the Gulf, we'll, you know, we'll run, uh, our guys have a, you know, they'll run uh, the, that, that state line out, uh, uh, the border uh, on out, uh, well, several, well, nine nautical nine miles, miles is, yeah. is, is state waters, but we'll go on out into federal waters even if, if pretty commonly. Uh, but, uh, but no, working uh, those commercial fishermen, man, you know, you, what do you do? I mean, if you're a commercial fisherman, right, and your job is, even, even here, your job is to, uh, provide for your family by by fishing and you don't have any fish here where do you go yeah yeah so they'll, they'll start uh, uh encroaching on our waters um it's very common in fact i think um uh i'll, I'll use this to plug twitter and facebook uh we have a, a parks and wildlife or your game wardens have a, a pretty active on twitter and facebook but if you'll notice that we've had some some really good cases this last week where they've picked up gill nets, uh, on Lake Falcon just had a picked up a bunch of net. Really? Um, so um, you know it's very common. Our guys will be picking up gill net out of Texas waters from uh, illegal fishermen out of out of Mexico. You know, uh, and and, and uh, you know it's not that uncommon that when you start picking it up, they run down to the water. And so you're sitting there, you you know, you cut it on our side, and we're just putting it in a boat. And that guy, he's on his side, and he's coming out to you, you know. And right, you know, there's not a, a chalk line in the sand. Yeah, there's yeah. not a chalk line in the water. But when we figure we're at the middle of the river, we cut the net and let them keep their side. Uh, and obviously, if we catch them on our side, uh, we'll do what we can do to uh, to stop that individual. Uh, and, 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 of course, take all their – we take their boat, their motors, their – nets and whatever we you know we need to do you take it back to their side and we drop do not them take off. it back to their side <laughs> no we do not uh, uh most of those little boats aren't uh aren't sell- salvageable or usable or sellable okay but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it goes through a court process and uh generally they're awarded to the state and i think i saw a picture on social media or somewhere recently of all of the like little rickety boats and motors and whatever structure they were using to fish and there was like you know there's a big yard of them piled up oh yeah oh yeah no it's uh you know sometimes they don't want to stop so uh you know we we have to get creative in ways to stop them but uh um no we our guys uh you know what you know members need to know is that our guys are working hard down there day and night to uh prevent illegal fishing in our waters and um you know just as those guys and girls those fishermen in mexico are are working hard to try to catch more fish we, you know we have a duty and a responsibility and we try hard to keep them not in our fishing illegally right. in our water so uh, yeah and maybe someday we'll be able to work with mexico and get the same it'd be nice if we could all get on the same page and uh have the same regulations that w- that would be kind of nice 
but uh, that's not likely. Going no, to no, we can't even get Louisiana on board. On that. <laughs> We're going to get Mexico on board. That'd be nice, you know. I mean, you can wish, right? Yeah, wish. yeah. But, uh, but no, that's. Um, you know, we talked about it briefly, but in the Gulf, I mean, it's not that uncommon that we'll run across miles of long line out there illegally set. And gillnet, just, uh, it's hard to think about a mile of gillnet, you know, but we may run across, and occasionally they get loose or, or whatever. I don't know why uh, somebody would, I mean, that's a, that's a big investment. It's a lot of money uh, to put that much line out and get away from them. But, uh, and I think it keeps catching, it doesn't stop catching it, fish. It, it does, it, it, you're right. I mean, it just keeps keeps killing fish it takes resources all the way down and, and yeah. in fact uh uh we had a game warden here in matagorda county uh clay shock who picked up got a call from some of our eyes and ears down there our cca members and people who fish that they saw offshore saw saw some gillnet floating well he runs out there it's not new gillnet it's obviously been in the water a while it's probably just floated down from you know uh, probably close to Mexico, and has just full of bones and just mm. just we're just it has just been wreaking resource all yeah. the way down. You know? Yeah. So we uh, speaking of eyes and ears, um, you know, there's only a little over 500 of us game wardens in the state of Texas. For the state, as big as the state is, uh, we only have let's just call it 500 and a little plus uh, game wardens. We're smaller than most than a lot of cities. Yeah, and we cover a state and uh, lots lots of water. Um, but uh, we need eyes and ears. Is where I was headed to. And uh, you, know, you guys uh, in the public, there there are eyes and ears. We obviously can't be everywhere uh, as as much as some people think we are everywhere. You know, we can't be. Uh, you want them to think you are. Though. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we we put that seed in everybody's yeah, yeah. mind. You know, uh, it's hard to drive forward when you're looking in your rearview mirror. You mm-hmm. know. Um, but uh, we, we try to plant that seed, and uh, we encourage the public to give us a call uh, whenever they, they see uh, violations or think that there's something going on that we need to know about because, you know, we, we just, we just, we've got to have that public uh, input to be successful. We just do. Uh, we have a program, OGT, Operation Game Thief. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll talk about it for just a second. It's a great, great uh, program. It's uh, I think the license, the, the numbers on the on your hunting license uh, to call. But anytime you see a or uh, uh, suspect a violation, we appreciate a, a phone call. We call Operation Game Thief. Um, it'll go to a dispatcher. Uh, it's twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. They'll take in your information. They'll take in the information you have, and I promise you, it'll go to a game warden because that game warden will have a report to do, uh, likely to follow up on, and. Uh, Many times it's unfounded. Unfortunately, by the time you know the call comes in and we get out there, maybe they're gone. Yeah. But sometimes maybe they're not. You know, and uh, we do. We make some tremendous cases, tremendous cases uh, off of information. And and you can stay anonymous. You know, when you call up there, you don't have to give us a name and a phone number or any contact information if if uh, somebody calls OGT. And there's an option for a reward. And um, that uh, if a person wants uh, to, to get a reward upon conviction, um, you know, the, our OGT committee members will uh, agree on a, on a, a cash reward sometimes. Uh, so it's, it's a great process. What I was wanting to do is give you, a, uh, give you some information on it. There are uh, numbers here on your card. It's 800-792-GAME. Well, there you go. 
1-800-792-GAME. Yep. Um, and they, uh, OGT, they do a lot of good stuff for, for us. Uh, they, uh, uh, we have fundraisers for them from time to time. I have a, a clay shoot, I think, coming up actually in April. We won't get into that one, but, uh, but no, it's, uh, um, we're, we're, we try to have a clay shoot here in the Houston area for, mm-hmm. for Operation Game Thief to raise money for rewards. Uh, also, they, uh, if we do have a game warden or a part peace officer die in the line of duty, uh, there's some benefits that go to the family. Uh, and also, they, uh, we submit grants for equipment. OGT will, okay. uh, if it's technology-based uh, uh, equipment that uh, uh, our law enforcement division may need, we can submit a grant, and sometimes they get they get funded. I think this year, uh, I've heard, I think there's $75,000 that OGT is giving to uh, uh, our law enforcement division so uh, to buy equipment. So I recently saw a presentation that Major Skeen was involved in uh, to the CCA, but it talked about equipment and the, uh, the fleet inventory, or the vessel inventory, I should say, and the condition that it's in and the, the needs that are there for new technology and new boats and new equipment and um it's it's really a it's eye-opening to to see um how much is needed support is equipment is needed for you guys to to do your job and that stuff is not cheap so um i think it's great that y'all have those fundraisers to help to help that cause because um in order for you you to, to do your job effectively you need to be able to keep up with the technology that the violators are have at their disposal at minimum at minimum <laughs> hopefully you're, you're you yeah. can go faster than they yeah. can but if yeah. you can't then you can't catch them. oh man um, so no, you're you're right and in and thank you for bringing that up shane uh you know when i before i become a game warden, not i just kind of you think as a law enforcement agency a government agency that has unlimited money you know i mean it's it's the government for crying out loud they got money i gotta tell you we, we work on a, on a budget we have a very very stringent budget and it's difficult, you know, I mean, to, to, to buy boats and stuff. Uh, we, we'll literally, you know, uh, well, our, our golf boat, you, you, you mm-hmm. mentioned it earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a 65-foot boat. We have two of those in the state. Uh, we have the Captain Williams is down in Brownsville, the Captain Murchison here in Galveston. Uh, they're both, uh, I think the Captain Murchison's a 1984 hull. Yep. Uh, it's, a, it's a crew boat for the guys who, who uh, know what crew boats are. It was essentially a crew boat. Um, you know, those, those diesel motors, it runs on two diesel motors and, uh, you know, uh, I think we're seven years into the two that are in there and, um, you know, uh, I, I, you know, it takes, we're talking millions of dollars to, to replace it. We're looking at $5 million to replace a boat. Yeah. Um, that platform that we have has served us well, but I'll tell you it's, it's, uh, it's purpose. Uh, it does pretty good out there checking big shrimp boats when you're in a Gulf. Uh, which is which is fun trying to get game wardens from a 65 foot boat into a 100 foot shrimp boat you yeah. know or whatever yeah. uh that's that's a sight to see um but uh, uh we talk that story in a minute too but uh, <laughs> but no um you know it, it's extremely challenging to check a sporting boat off of one of those platforms mm-hmm. uh just because the logistics have been so high in the crew but you know we're uh, what we need is 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 likely going to look like a Forty to sixty foot boat, but with the means of having a, a smaller boat detached from it, so that we yeah. can go check our recreational fishermen. Yeah. Um, and uh, as 
as we've seen uh well we'll talk about fleet too a little bit more you know uh aging aging boats uh our airboats for now are in are need of repair we, we we saw the need for the airboats for natural disasters the, mm-hmm. the flooding we had in may and june um you know we have a uh obviously we have we have a swift uh, water team which i'm on but uh, we also have just our, our game wardens do a tremendous job uh rescuing people in flooding events and airboat is is essential to that having airboats that can get back into these neighborhoods and get people out of houses and what have you uh, is extremely important yeah um, and I don't know that we have an airboat that's that we've purchased within the last since uh, maybe 2008 was the le- newest one we have, you know. Uh, so we're looking at uh, this year trying to hopefully uh, the next few years try to replace some air airboats, <clears throat> um, at least rebuild them. You know, uh, I think Matagorda uh, is is you know those guys uh, obviously on the coast they use them troll duck hunters. Yeah, yeah. get back in those flats check people fishing and and so that's that's a tool that that we need and, and, and so any boat owner knows the maintenance and upkeep and expense of keeping a boat running uh especially in the salt water yeah and airboats even worse oh my gosh yeah you know they're a maintenance nightmare they do what they're designed to do very well yeah and uh it's definitely a special purpose uh tool but uh you got to have them and uh and uh it takes money to keep them operating keeping them up uh up uh, you know, keeping that fleet up is it's expensive and uh we try to um you know we obviously try to work within our budget and and uh try to be good stewards of the state's money and uh but so we uh we uh look for other ways to to purchase some of these things so yeah. you know uh, i think uh, we were talking to cca and you know we're looking for other means of funds um well it's it's not it 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 doesn't seem like it's something that the state could just absorb with the just with the way that the state budget is looking at at this point and potential cuts that are pending or coming in the next legislative session. Like you guys could use some help. Oh, absolutely. So, oh. You know, from a financial perspective. Absolutely, so. and we're hoping to get it. We we've uh, you, you know we we've requested. Uh, legislative uh, NLAR, we, we've uh, requested some some of these items for the legislature to approve uh, the funding for. Um, we won't know till uh, this next session starts January mm-hmm. uh, on what they approve. You know, uh, it, it'll go through a process, and and uh, you know, hopefully um, we do well, but uh, we'll know by August. You know what? Uh, what the legislature appropriations uh, uh, lets us spend. Yeah. And uh, but I'll tell you, boats, uh, uh, boats and vehicles are always uh, up there. We always, uh, we, we, I imagine we we've asked for a few uh, full time, some more positions, um, and uh, so we'll uh, we'll see how we get blessed with this legislature coming up. But uh, obviously, boats is 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 up there for purchasing. Yeah. I want to hear a story. Oh, um, what's give me a give me a good um, if you if you can when you're out in the field, just a really good heartwarming. Oh my goodness! Not not uh, something that just made you feel really good about your job and and what you do. Oh well, I, you know I tell you. Uh, one of the best compliments uh, that I ever got in, in San Jacinto County, I received in San Jacinto County, 
was right before I left, you'd have a, you know, a landowner come up and tell you, pat you on the back and tell you how good a job you're doing because they're seeing deer where they've never seen deer before, which means you've been blessed with some good years of rain and everything <laughs> more than likely. But, but yeah, you, you've definitely done your job and caught, uh, caught some locals and, and, uh, people maybe not locals, but, but, uh, have cut the poaching down, you know, obviously like anything else, uh, poaching is, is, a you know, it's, it's just predation on the, on the resource and it's a limited resource. So uh, anything you can do to help them with mother nature's help too, it, 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 it'll make a, make a game warden even look better. But, yeah. but no, I'll tell you, uh, I had a game warden the other day uh, or somebody, I went to game warden as another guy asked me, he said, man, how did, how did, how did you do your job before night vision? You know? And I got to thinking, well, technology has helped. I mean, we did this job a long time without cell phones. You know, I used to have a credit card, and I'd get a call over the radio. You know, you'd hear that crackle through the night, you radio, and call dispatch. Well, so I'd go knock on a landowner's door or go to a business, and, hey, can I borrow you, your phone and use my credit card, loan distance calling card to call, call dispatch or whoever. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, technology has certainly helped us do our job. Uh, we do it better, and we can do more of it now. Yeah. And we do it more safe. Uh, is where I'm headed on this. We do it a lot safer now. Um, got my first set of night vision um, probably five years ago, which was three. I was at, I only had it for about three years in the field. But uh, uh, back in the, uh, I guess probably about 96, 97, I uh, was in San Jacinto County and uh, got a call. It was one of those nights, you know, it's cold. It was it had to have been January. I mean, we had a blue northern come through, and I was off, man. I was at home, had the fire burning, and, you know, I was cuddled up close to mama, and, you know, it's all mm-hmm. life is good, you yeah. know, for, for once. I'm not <laughs> out in it, man. I'm here. I'm warm. And uh, phone, well, actually, the pager went off. You know, we used to have pager. Pager went off. So I called dispatch. Hey, you know what you got? Well, we got a uh, spotlighting going on. And uh, Where's it at? He says, well, it's you know, over in this part of the county, and I seriously, you couldn't throw a rock. You could throw a rock and hit the next county. You couldn't have been any further away than what I was. Um, I said, well, was there shots fired? Yeah, there was shots fired, and they're out in the field right now with flashlights looking. It's like, oh, crud, man. You know, it's, it's midnight. It's cold. I had this uh, young guy who was interested in becoming game one and wanted to ride along with me. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, all right. We're going to see how bad this guy wants to be a warden. I'm fixing to call him up. I called him up said, hey, guy, come on. We just got a phone call saddled up. We got a ride. I'll be by there to pick you up in a couple of minutes. So I get up and I get dressed, put on my gun belt, you know, put everything together, got saddled up my horse, crank up my old ram charger or whatever I had. And, you know, I take off thinking, you know, this is this is a lost cause, man. The time I get there, they're going to have this deer eating. You yeah, know, I mean, yeah. they're, they're, they're going to be so gone. It ain't even funny. But I'm going to go through the motions, make sure the landowner knows that, hey, we at least come out and said, you know, we mm-hmm. looked. Go by and I pick up the guy. And I'm talking about there's frost. There's already ice on the ground. It's cold. So I get out there and, and uh, you know, thinking, ah, eh, I ain't going to see anything. It's like an hour and a half. You know, and I get there, and I'm driving down. I turn out my lights, and I'm easing down this little old rock road. I'm looking, and I'm looking, and I'm looking, and there it is. I see a flashlight, two flashlights, and they're walking back and forth, back and forth. I'm like, ah, 
nuts, man. Here, I'm going to have to get out away from this heater now, yeah. you know. So uh, I pull up there and I tell the guy, I have, a, I have a handheld radio that's about, you know, a yard long. It's like a brick. And I said, look, I got my radio with me. You stay in the truck. I'll put the truck radio on, on channel and we can talk to each other. And I'll tell you when I when you can come in. Yeah. And I'll try to find out where the gate's at because this is a new piece of property. I They had just cleared it and put a new fence up and, and i didn't know where the gate was to it and it was dark that night shane i'm telling you as dark as jerry clower say it's inside it's dark as inside of a cow you know i mean it's dark yeah. you can't see your finger in front of your face and so uh i get out of the truck and uh did i mention it's cold it was yeah. cold i had a little jacket on literally had one had didn't even have uh my insulates on i, I just literally thin pair of polyester pants man so, uh, but this isn't going to take long. I just got to walk up, make contact, and, you know, write somebody a ticket, and I'm out of there probably, you know. Uh, so I get out, and I find the fence, barbed wire fence. And it is brand-new, strung barbed wire fence. Fence found you. Oh, my gosh, yes. And I don't know why people build a fence with six strands of barbed wire, and that first one is six inches up off the ground. I, I don't know why a cow would get on its belly and get under that. But, but so going under it wasn't an option. I had to get over it. So you find your fence post, you go to crawl over it. And you, you, have you ever crossed a barbed wire fence? Oh, I'm yeah, sure you all have. the time. Yeah, you know that feeling you get when you, you throw your leg over and you're just hoping that staple doesn't come out? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm going, okay, God, I hope the staple, you know, stays yeah. in, cross, kind of jump over and hit the ground and everything's good. Uh, by now, you know, your hands are starting to get cold because you don't have gloves on, so you're sticking them in your pockets. And, man, it was, it was a – I remember like it was yesterday, it was literally a, a hay field. And it was like walking across the golf course, man. It was just, I was making good time, man. I mean, I was high-stepping. I'm getting somewhere. Steam, I mean, your breath is just, it's yeah. just, you know, dark. Stars are everywhere. There's no moon. Uh, pine tree country. But I'm in a field, and, man, I'm making time. And I, I'm i not quite trotting, but I'm close to it. And my, my progress comes to an immediate stop. I smooth walked into another barbed wire fence bam <laughs> fall back oh man you know gather up it's like crap i didn't see that thing you know because i'm looking at the lights they're still walking back and forth and i'm excited adrenaline's pumping oh dang so i, I get to looking you can't go under it so now i gotta crawl back over it so i find my fence post because you don't want to cross at a t-post no that's never no. good so i find my post I crawl over it and have you ever had those dreams where you're falling you know and you i'm falling i was falling it's in slow uh, motion <laughs> i was falling there was no ground there where i was expecting to be ground and uh, i realized that they had put that fence there to keep the cows and whatever from going off into this gully <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> so man i hit i hit the ground and you're laying there and you're going okay get my breath because it knocked air out of you it's like okay Okay, my arms are working, my legs are working. All right, so you stand up. I'm not wet, so I didn't fall into a creek, thank goodness. I'm checking everything. I got my radio. All right, I'm good to go. You know, I'm mad now, but yeah. I'm good to go. I'm yeah. mad. At this point, Shane, if I find somebody, they're going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> we're past the ticket process. <laughs> we, are, we, are now, we are now riding to jail. So uh, uh, I don't care if they got a bunny rabbit. They're going to jail. Oh, yeah. uh, no. Um, so I gather back up and I find myself up out of this gully only to find another fence. 
So this time I walk down the fence and I find, I don't know why somebody put an aluminum gate, an old galvanized gate in there, but I found a gate. So I'm going to cross at the gate. The lights are still going. I'm like, well, gosh, they didn't hear me. You know, I'm still in this game. Yeah. I, I still got a potential case here. And, and now I'm cold. I'm hurt. You know, my pride's hurt. I go cross over this gate. And when I cross over the gate, the lights turn off. I'm like, ah, crud. They're gone now, you know. But I'm like 200 yards. Yeah. And the lights just turn off. So I'm thinking, well, maybe they heard me. Um, they're not in the car. There's no car driving off. So they got to be on foot. They're still there. So I start my my progress towards them again, although not as fast, because I've done ran into two barbed wire fences <laughs> and run off in a gully. <laughs> a little more. You know, I'm wanting to turn a light on, but you can't turn a light on that far out. So uh, no night vision, but I'm just uh, – you know, I'm there stumbling my way through the, uh, now I'm getting into some little bit of brush and, and, uh, I remember stopping going, this is it. I'm done. I'm just internal light on and just what I get's what I get. Yeah. So I get down behind a tree and I'm going to give them another couple of minutes and just listen and see if I can see them, maybe hear something. So I remember thinking, well, I better find cover because when I turn my light on, I want cover in front of me. I want a tree. I want something. And I get to feeling in front of me, and I'm behind a pine sapling that you could literally no bigger than your finger. I have no cover. So I start looking for a tree, you know, and, and, and that's not going to be an option. So I get on the ground. And when I get on the ground, you know, it's, it's, it's clear. The stars are out. So you can just, I can make the top. I can skylight the top of a car. I'm like, well, there's their vehicle, you know. I'm thinking, well, I didn't, I didn't, they must still be outside the vehicle because I didn't hear a car door close, mm -hmm. you know? Hmm, this is interesting. So I'm easing up to the car, I'm touching the car, and it's cold. I'm like, well, this, this isn't adding up at all, you know? And it's a car, it's not a truck, it's a car. Yeah. Hunters hunt out of trucks, they don't hunt out of cars. In fact, it's a hatchback car. I walked around it, and there's ice on it, you know, and. I'm like, well, this is it. I'm turning the light on. I'm done with this, you know. I turn the light on. I shine it in the car, and I'm looking at, at somebody's foot, somebody's head, and somebody's other foot. Oh, no. <laughs> they had crawled back into the car and went to sleep during this whole process. So I tap on the window, and it's, it's three Hispanic males in there. And uh, I get them up, and I get them outside, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm starting to figure out, okay, what, what were y'all hunting? You know, and they're out there, no coat on and, you know, cold. And this guy goes, yeah, no, he said, we, we were hunting. And I said, well, what were you hunting? He goes, well, I bought a property. It's my property. I said, well, that's fine. I said, what, what were you hunting? Oh, we hunt the rabbits. I said, oh, good, good, good. Uh, you got a hunting license? No, no, I own the property. I was like, well, you can have that. That's good. It's good you own the property, but you need a hunting license in Texas to hunt even the rabbits. Oh, I didn't know. I was like, well, yeah, okay. Um, so, I, you know, I, I start gathering ID from them. Nobody has a hunting license. So I'm gathering up ID and I said, where's your guns at? He goes, it's under the car. And I said, did y'all shoot anything? No, nah, we, we, we shoot at the rabbits, but I don't think we shoot any, we shot any rabbits. And I said, okay. I said, where's your, your guns are under? I won't get your guns. So I launched in the car and there's three guns. So I start pulling them out. There's no 22 and it was two shotguns. I'm thinking, well, maybe they're hunting rabbits. Yeah. Shotguns and 22s. There's no rifle, you know? So um, 
I go to unload a twenty two, I unloaded it and I smelt it, it hadn't been fired. Okay. And I pull up a shotgun and, and it was a Remington eleven hundred and I jacked a round out of it and it was double op buckshot and the other one was slugs. <laughs> and I said, Man, you're hunting awfully big rabbits And he smiled, he goes, Yeah He said, We also hunt the deer <laughs> And I said, Well did you shoot the deer? He goes, Ah, we shoot at a deer but we couldn't find it. I said, uh, okay. I said, uh, let's see what we've got. So I unloaded the other shotgun, and we go out there, and sure enough, they had shot a doe. And uh, in San Jacinto County, you couldn't shoot deer. You couldn't shoot deer at night. And I, I was telling him, I said, man, you can't hunt deer at night. Oh, uh, but I own the land. Yeah. I said, well, you still can't hunt deer at night, man. So uh, I said, okay, well, you know, y'all have killed a deer at night. It's a Class A misdemeanor. I said, we're going to jail. Someplace going to jail. <laughs> We're going to jail. Well, I'm in a patrol truck, so I get a hold of my guy. We get him through the gate, and, uh, you know, I can't put them all in my truck, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm in a patrol truck. I don't even have a cage, for crying out loud. I mean, you know, I got y'all going to drive yourself to jail. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so okay, okay, okay. So I gather guns up, and we're driving. Did I mention how far out this was? Mm-hmm. We have to drive the jails in Cold Spring, Texas, and it's cold. I'm talking about it's cold. Like, their ice is all over the windshield cold, and their heater is out in their car. Their defroster's out. So we're having to scrape the ice so he can follow me. They have no defroster. We're driving like 15 miles an hour. It takes us two hours to get to the jail. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. It was a long, cold night. <laughs> so we get them in the jail. And uh, at that time, the San Jacinto County Jail was was real small. I mean, I don't even think I went through this, uh, Sally Port. I probably walked everybody through the front door. And there was the, the little holding cage. And then there was dispatch. And, and, uh, and, uh, so I'm sitting in dispatch, and I'm running the shotguns, making sure they're not stolen. And one of them, the serial numbers have been removed off of it. And uh, so the guy can hear me. I mean, he's right there. Yeah. And I said, man, I said, this this gun don't have any serial numbers on it. I guess it's been stolen. And dispatch goes, well, it looks like it. I said, well, let me ask this guy. I don't even know who was using this gun. I said, hey, who was using this, this Remington 1100? Guy goes, oh, it was mine. I said, where's the serial numbers at? Where did you get this gun? oh he goes i buy that gun at stop and go for twenty dollars and i was like man first off don't ever buy a gun at stop and go and if you do don't buy it for twenty dollars <laughs> but uh, you know that that's just a night that was just a, a somewhat typical night it's cold you know the stuff that we run into fences and creeks yeah and, i mean it's it's hard on a body and uh long hours and and you never know what you're gonna find that's that's great let me ask you something about night night hunting because we we uh i don't do it anymore uh, just get <laughs> don't on do it any less no <laughs> we used to hog hunt i mean right, spotlight sure. spotlight Absolutely. hogs all the time and we got stopped one time game warden told me my dog was ugly and that really upset me but uh, anyhow we we uh we'd always call the sheriff's office and we'd let them know hey we're going out spotlighting so how do you know I mean, is there any sort of coordination with dispatch with, like, the sheriff's office or other agencies so you're not responding to some guy? Or do you want to go respond to some guy that's spotlighting hogs or doing something like oh, that? Oh, maybe. Right? You know, that's an officer that, that warden's call, uh, his, you know, whatever his choice is. Um, and we encourage people that are going to get out there at night and, and, and hog hunt or hunt coyotes or call or whatever uh, to call 
call the sheriff's office uh, to call our dispatch number. Um, our dispatch, I'll give you that number. It's 281-842-8100. Uh, it's 281-842-8100. 24-hour um, day dispatch here in the Houston area. They can get you, they, whatever county you're in the state of Texas. It doesn't matter where you are. They can matter. call that number. Call that number. Okay. They'll get you a game warden wherever you're at in contact. But let that game warden know, hey, look, we're just going to be out there. Now, I'm not saying that game warden won't come out and visit with you anyway. You know, he yeah. might. But I will tell you, one of the first calls I got in Waller County was at 3 o'clock in the morning. Spotlighting. And I drive up in the north end of the county, uh, get out and, and uh, work my way over to these guys who are spotlighting and only to find out that everything's legal. I mean, they're just, just hunting hogs, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so, it, it, you know, it might save that game more than a little time. It's a courtesy, right? Courtesy. Yeah. Just courtesy uh, so that uh, maybe he doesn't take away from what they're already doing Yeah. Uh, to go check somebody who's, you know, doing it the right way. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Well, is there anything else you want to get across? Uh, anything you want listeners to, to know that we hadn't kind of uh, touched on already? Um, you know, if anybody's out there and interested in becoming a game warden, uh, you can certainly go online. Uh, it won't take you long to search uh, uh, you know, our careers. Um, if you're, We do have a ride-along program, and if you, uh, you know, we like to see people who who are interested in being a game warden as a career. We obviously don't have time just to, you know, take along every wonderful person who's interested in what we're doing just to see what we're doing. But if you're interested in a career, we do have a ride-along program. You get an internship? We do have internships. We have, uh, I think, a winter internship now. Uh, I think I saw a couple of them. We, we do uh, summer internships. Uh, some of them are paid positions even. And uh, uh, Lieutenant Melanson, um, you can check him out. He's our recruiting officer. Uh, he can set you up with the, uh, you know, help, help you get through the internship process if you're, you know, you're looking at it. Uh, we like to see you uh, maybe have a couple years of college under your belt, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but not needed. But uh, uh, it's it's a it's a great career if you like uh, like being in the outdoors, if you like hunting, you like fishing, you love this job. Uh, pay's not great, but you can survive. Oh yeah. Uh, benefits are pretty good. Uh, and again, you get a four wheel drive truck, a boat and, <laughs> and a uh, gun and a gun. And they tell you to go get in the woods and uh, or go get on the water. And, uh, but, uh, you know, the internship, uh, is awesome. It allows you to get to know what we do and us get to know you, uh, because this job is not for everybody. Honestly. I mean, as cool as it is not to have set work hours, you know, maybe see your boss once a month. Um, the fact is, is that if you're not comfortable outdoors, you won't be comfortable doing this job. Yeah. You know, you, you, yeah. If uh, being hot and being cold is not your thing, then this may not be your thing. You know, if, if, if spiders literally creep you out to where you cannot do this job, you know, you're not comfortable walking around spiders and, or snakes or whatever it is. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying you don't have to have a very deep appreciation for these things, but, uh, but uh, you need to be comfortable in, in, in the outdoors. Have you seen any effects from the show, Lone Star Law? You know, we have. Uh, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, we have. We've certainly seen uh, seen some effects. Uh, and probably one of the best things about it is that people, even outside of Texas, are watching it. Uh, we had an interview, uh, went through an interview process. In fact, our next Game Warren Academy is starting up this coming January. And so that process started months and months and months ago. 
but we did the interviews, and I did some here. I, I typically interview most of my people I interview here are from out of state because I'm close to close to the airport. Right. And so they'll fly in and interview. But even those people have seen Lone Star Law and know, can talk more about what game wardens mm-hmm. do, you know, because they've seen episodes where, you know, Kevin Frazier and then we're rescuing people during flooding events yeah. or, uh, you know, they've seen, uh, you know, our, our folks down on the border uh, pulling gill nets and they've, they've seen our hunting and, you know, game wardens doing different things that they wouldn't normally know that we did just because they saw it on Lost Star Law, which is which yeah. is which is a great. That's, I saw that's the Swift team on one 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 episode. Yeah, yeah, so. oh yeah. So uh, you'll probably see more of that coming up. They're filming uh, the second season as we speak. Um, so uh, they film for uh, usually through probably the first of the year, and uh, you know here pretty quick they'll. I don't know at what point in time they'll start their editing process. It's got to be challenging on, in that process of filming the shows, like. You probably have some times where you have really good cases, but the TV crew can't be there at that time. You know, you're working around their schedule. And so it's sometimes the cases don't align, I guess, with when the production team or TV crew's out with you filming. I think they have two film film teams here, two two crews working the state, but you're right. And our guys, if they know they've got something coming up, they're doing an investigation and, you know, they'll call the guys up. Uh, the, the production team, they're really good about, you know, altering their schedule to come down to come and work something. Um, but, you know, it's it's hard enough for one game warden to sneak around in the woods, <laughs> but to be sneaking around with two game wardens and then a production crew. How many are, how many are on a crew? Like three. Five, three, okay. Two, two, two maybe three. Uh, uh, you know, you'll uh, – but uh, yeah, so you're going from one person to five people. That is, it's, it's, it, can, it, it brings its own own dynamic dimension to it. Uh, and uh, but they they do a great job of uh, capturing what it is that we do. Uh, they're great to work with. Uh, I seriously, not had any any complaints. I mean, they're they're top notch crew. They do a great job. They really do. We're proud of the show. We're proud of the product. And it is uh, it is a great recruiting tool. Yeah, it is. And it's a uh, you know, a lot of people don't know what it is that we do because we've, and we don't mind it that way. You know, I mean, uh, I can tell you in Brookshire, uh, you know, they, they knew the game warden is the guy who wrestled alligators. <laughs> That's okay. You know, which we don't do anymore, right? Which we don't do as much, as much, as much. Okay. Uh, oh, but, uh, uh, no, they, they don't know what it is that we do. Uh, in fact, when we would, uh, you'll see game warden trucks. Now it's got state police on the, mm-hmm. uh, on the tailgate. And uh, even guys who have known me uh, for as long as they've known me will saw the truck when I first. That one's and they they, they said, well, state police. When did when did y'all change to state police? Like man, we've always been state police. You just didn't know it. You yeah. Know? Oh, but uh, and maybe you can tell people why. I mean, that was a safety deal, right? I mean, so when you come across someone. They would know that you're law yeah. enforcement. Like they would have view you the same way as law enforcement. I mean, is that kind of why? Absolutely. Uh, you know, in, in more rural areas of Texas, people understand game wardens and uh, the authority we have, and the, you know that that you know what our, what our job is. They, they get it. Sometimes in the more urban areas, they have no idea. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, if you don't hunt, you don't fish, why would you know what a game warden does, really? Right. Uh, e- even some law enforcement, they're not real sure. I mean, it's it's clearly in the Code of Criminal Procedure what it is that we do, what our statutes and our authority is. But, uh, but uh, so that, that that's definitely something that we, we've tried to change is just uh, just to help the public know that, hey, you know, we are state police officer just like dps we're sister basically a sister agency where dps is the largest law enforcement agency for the state of texas we're the second largest mm-hmm. um but uh you know we're state police officers just like um just like any other state agency uh tabc texas alcohol bureau mission they those are uh state police officers so uh no that's that's exactly it um you know, we, we respond to a disaster or something, and, and we're out there in numbers. You know, it's just good to have something that says state police so yeah. everybody can relate to yeah to that. Yeah. So. So. Well, listen, Kevin, thank you for letting me come here and, and, and do this. And uh, if you're ever up for this again, we can we can certainly make that happen. Just give us a shout. We'll uh, we'll try to get some more people in here, and uh, we'll we'll sit around and just talk war stories or something. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a, you guys have an unlimited uh, a number of experiences and stories that y'all could share, and uh, I think it'd be to the benefit of the public to hear um, the do's and don'ts, and I like hearing the uh, maybe some of the softer side of things and uh, some of the feel-good uh, stuff like sure. you spoke of, uh, getting credit for increasing deer populations. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. No, no, it's it's uh, you know it's all about conservation, and uh, and uh, you know you can have the best uh, intent, the best laws, best hatcheries. You can do everything right, but uh, there's still that element of people uh, that, uh, if given the uh, ability, uh, without any uh, measures of, of uh, checks checking on them, they, they'll they'll take advantage of the resource and uh so it's all about conservation and keeping uh you know having something for our kids to to chase yeah um and uh you know it's all all about that so they're uh, we're all interconnected and i think you know we have that common that's the common bond that whether you're a fisheries manager or you're a member of cca or you're a game warden or you buy a hunting and fishing license or you donate money to Operation Game Thief. I mean, it's all centered around conservation and trying to, at least, leave our resources in a better shape than the way you found them so that our kids and their kids will have something um, in the outdoors to look forward to. So That's, that's exactly right. That's what we're yeah. working for. And uh, like I say again, we appreciate CCA. Uh, y'all are big partners and big assets for what, what we do for helping us and uh helping us out uh you know we y'all do uh support us through uh through some grants you know we're talking about night vision mm-hmm. i think this last year cca uh they bought us some night vision you know some uh plot recorders for side scan sonars for our boats a couple boats maybe and uh you know uh, some different things some different equipment but uh we love having y'all uh as supporters and uh we love what y'all do so well appreciate you and uh yeah look forward to doing this again absolutely all right thank you thank you all right folks we hope you enjoyed that conversation with lieutenant kevin glass again 
as he mentioned in the podcast, if you want to report a potential game violation, please do not hesitate to call 1-800-792-4263. That's 800-792-GAME, G-A-M-E. Also, if you are interested in learning more about a Texas game warden career, go to Texas Parks and Wildlife's website. They have some great online resources where you can learn all about uh, life as a game warden and what it takes to uh, become a, a Texas game warden. We encourage you guys to get outdoors this Christmas season, spend some time with family on the water, enjoy the great out of doors, and please, as we mentioned in this podcast, please, please be safe while you're out on the water. Wear your safety flotation devices, your life jackets. Um, Make sure you guys are careful out there. We hope everyone has a safe and Merry Christmas. We will get back to you guys in 2017 with some more Coastal Advocacy Adventure podcasts. So you guys take care. Stay safe and stay coastal.